I'm Dana Sosteger. After three decades in the marketing business and many years of being an entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about marketing. Join me as we talk about marketing, small business, and life in between. Welcome to My Weekly Marketing. You, my friend, have a money story. You may not realize you do, but we all have one. It's largely from the values we grew up with or the experiences in our life. And that money story turns into beliefs. Beliefs such as wanting money is greedy, money doesn't grow on trees, you feel guilty for having more money than other people, or there's never enough money. And we as entrepreneurs bring that story into our own businesses. And particularly as women, we let it affect how much we charge and how comfortable we are asking for money. That's what we're talking about today with financial life and business coach, Linda McDonald. Linda believes understanding your finances and getting good at them doesn't have to be intimidating. Her mission is to simplify those numbers, making them more accessible for everyone, and in particular, women business owners. With her background in corporate finance and as a CPA, she has deep insights into the world of business finance. But she doesn't just talk numbers because she's also a certified life coach. So she helps her clients overcome the mental hurdles of money and entrepreneurship, empowering them to take charge as CEOs. We all know that we're in business to make money, but sometimes we forget how important that is, and there are a few things we do to undercut our success. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's listen to my interview with Linda. Well, hey, Linda, how are you today? I'm great, Janice. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. So um, I want to hear more about your business and what you do, because it all sounds fascinating to me, and I think it will be fascinating to my listeners as well. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved in it, and, and what you do. Sure. I Yes. Why don't I just start where I began in my career? So I started out many moons ago as a CPA. That's how I began my career. It I be, got into that field because I was my father was a stock analyst and uh, down on Bay Street, which is the equivalent of Wall Street in Canada. Okay. And he used to take me downtown, and and I really learned about numbers and the stock market and not not being afraid of them. And so I ended up getting into the 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 field of being a CPA because I had this vision that I wanted to work in one of those office towers just like my dad. <laughs> So that's how I started my career. And it was really great working with lots of great companies. And then I I moved into corporate finance. So I worked for a Fortune 100 company doing that for many years, took a career break to raise my kids unregrettably. And then we got to a point where they were launching and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with myself. And I remember during this time, people would always come to me with questions about money and, uh, you know, their finances and their business. And I never thought much about it because it was like, it just came so easily to me until one day a friend of mine who I had been talking to about money and business, she said, Linda, will you coach me? And I sort of looked at her and I was like, okay. (laughs) And then the rest was history. And I started because I realized that I started to spend time with her and I loved teaching her about money, about business, what you're supposed to be doing when, but also what I came to realize is that it, 
money doesn't come easily to everybody. And that can also create a lot of fears and trepidation around money. And it wasn't just about teaching all the nuts and bolts about money. It was about understanding how we think about the finances, how we think about our own personal money and interweaving that. And that's where I created my company, which is named Peak Prosperity, which is really the basis of creating prosperity in our lives through our business. And so it's not just about making money. It's about making money in our business and feeling good about it, feeling comfortable, like feeling fully aligned with what we're doing. So that's how I found my way into being a financial life and business coach. Oh, that is cool. I love, first of all, that you, I think you did what a lot of us do, like when our kids get older and out of the house, we've kind of been focusing on our kids for so many years. And suddenly it's like, okay, now what? You know, I mean, it's like, I, you know, my life isn't over now. (laughs) I'm still to retire. What do I do now? Kind of thing. And so I think exactly, I, I, I love that, you know, that the transition, I think in so many people I've met has, been um pushed by the fact that um we're not the same people that we were when we we're you know right out of college or grad school or whatever you know we're you know we've changed we've lived our life a little bit and so suddenly we have this need to kind of reinvent ourselves so i love that that was the impetus for your change as well yeah yeah it was fun i mean it was great and it's funny like i you know we take on this identity staying getting out of the workforce that I just really discounted all my previous experience. And then I I just have regained that and you know obviously it brushed up on my skills and and done work around that. But it I really had to do a lot of my own work. And even in the process of doing my own work, that helped me become a better coach to realize that like, you know, we all have crap that our brain presents to us <laughs> around oh, different things. And so, you know, nobody is immune to it. So it's really yeah. important that like we have to we have to work use that to help us leverage and go to the next level as opposed to have it pull us back. Oh yeah, that is so absolutely true. And and I love that you you said that because we do I think especially as when our parents we um we look at our kids and and our values I think a little closer and um you know start like you said just sort of taking a, a look internally and trying to figure out why we are the way we are and and kind of communicate those values to our kids about certain things and it and I think um it causes us to just have these aha moments in, in our own, own lives as well but um but especially around money cuz I I think we all have our money story story right I mean um, formed in our youth. Um, so I grew up, my dad was, had a small business and money kind of came and went, you know, sometimes it was seasons of prosperity and sometimes it, you know, times were tight. So we had to tighten the belt a little bit. And I think, um, it like for me personally, it created a little money insecurity and, um, you know, we all have those money doesn't grow on trees. Um, the love of money is the root of all evil, you know. So uh, as a life coach, on top of that, um, how do we move past those messages? Do you have any advice about that? Yeah, absolutely. The one thing we can't do is pretend they don't exist. Mm-hmm. So we have to face them head on because it's kind of like something that's always going to be there. When we were born, our brains were wired <laughs> to look out for danger. And so these 
things that we tell ourselves, these money stories that we tell ourselves is really just our brain telling us to look out for danger. And honestly, they're there for good reason. They are there from preventing us. I mean, if you just equate it to something else, it's preventing us from like walking out into a street full of traffic. It's preventing us from touching the stove, right? It's it's similar mm-hmm. thoughts. So we have to bring them with us, acknowledge them, but then also look for evidence that other thoughts exist. Because we're so good at sometimes finding that evidence and truth as to why what we think is true. But then when we challenge our brain to say, well, what if something else was true? And start looking for that evidence. Like, what if I am safe with my money? What if I don't have this insecurity with my money? And what is the evidence to prove it? And usually when we challenge ourselves with it, or we have a coach that that starts to challenge ourselves, we find ways to see that, yeah, we are okay. Yes, we have had times where we've had setbacks and we've picked ourselves up and got going, but we conveniently forget those sometimes. And we need to just re-remind ourselves that we have that capability and then just start accumulating this, this bank of evidence towards something different. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the opposite. It doesn't necessarily have to be, we're swimming in a pool of money and we're <laughs> full of abundance because that doesn't always feel real. Right. And and believable. And a lot of times that some of the talk we might hear when you talk about people, you know, talking about money is that it's, there's, there's unlimited money in the world. And that is true. But if we're not ready to believe that, then we might just find something that we do believe and keep finding evidence for that and just start moving through that slowly. And that's really the key to start working against those beliefs we have about money, especially as business owners, because we're going to take those right there with us. We're going to, it's going to come with us in the way we price. It's going to come with us in the way we sell. It's going to come with us in the way that we ask for money, right? Because you can price, but then you may do the services, but then you still have to ask for the money. And if someone's not paying you and we're like, oh, I don't want to ask them for that money. Like all these things start to come with us, how we spend our money in our business, how we think about paying ourselves in the business. All these things will come with us. So if we're not paying attention to this, you know, this work on our money mindset, mm-hmm. it's going to hold us back. Yeah. Yes. So true. That is so true. So, certainly in so many people I've met, entrepreneurs that I've worked with, and certainly in myself. And I think we talked uh, a while back um, and we were talking about how, especially being stay-at-home moms, how we were volunteering in the schools and volunteering for nonprofits. And so suddenly somebody comes to us for the kind of work that we have been doing maybe for free. And now we're charging for it and how that feels a little icky almost, or it feels, it feels a little odd, you know? Um, But one of the things that um, I know that I focused on and I don't even know, well, several years ago, I've done some mission work um, in, in other countries and some very, very poor areas. And I remember meeting a mother in Haiti who um, had watched her child die because all she could afford to give her was coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it maybe it was such an eye-opening experience for me in on a lot of levels, obviously, but also that money can be a force for good. It can be life-changing, um, especially like if it's supported into an economy through small business loans in other countries or 
you know, just, you know, there's just so much good money can do too. And so personally, I kind of keep that in my mind when I'm, you know, ready to yeah, just give away my services. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, well, obviously a business is, exists to make money, right? So, um, you know, but I think we, I think you're right. I think we have to have some sort of like a, a little internal dialogue or monologue that talks about, all right, so money isn't necessarily evil. Money isn't bad. There is money to go around. I mean, mm-hmm. do you have any other little, um, I would say just narratives that people yes. can use? Yes. One of the things I, I, work on a lot with clients, my who, and I focus on working with female business owners, um, particularly mm-hmm. is we talk about money allows what money allows for them, which is freedom options and impact. So it's not about the dollars and cents of money though. That is just a tool to create that freedom options and impact. And especially I find, uh, with women, we really resonate with the impact. Because it's about the impact we create, not just on ourselves and our, in, on our lives, but it's on all the people around us because we are caregivers. We are people who don't necessarily just think of ourselves. And when you realize just with your example is perfect, is perfect for this is like what money allows for us to do. So we can change the trajectory of other people's lives, whether it's our children, whether it's other family members, whether it's friends, our local community, the broader global community, if we see money from that perspective, then all of a sudden we feel like we want to be able to make that money. We want to be able to create, you know, to earn that value from the amazing services that we're providing so that we can do things like that. It's not just about putting the money in the bank account and, and, keeping it all to ourselves and never spending it. Right. And that can be really empowering, right? Very I mean, empowering. Yeah. Yeah. We can change things. We can change the world. And and it's been mm-hmm. shown that the studies have shown that when women have wealth, they use it for impact. Mm-hmm. And so that is a huge you know, revelation that I think that as, as business owners, we all need to keep in mind that Yes, like money isn't the root of all evil. Money can be the root of changing the world and making a difference and making it better for the next generation, right? It could just be, you know, creating, you know, generational wealth. I like to also think of it as legacy wealth mm-hmm. um, because you're not just doing it for your own lineage. When you think of a legacy, it's like, what is the legacy that you want to leave for you know, everyone, what is it that you want them to say about you? And if money allows you to enhance that legacy, I mean, how can that be a bad thing? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not all about, um, you know, I, uh, you know, putting the pool in the backyard or, or, um, I, I don't know, because just retiring rich or whatever, owning the jet that people. <laughs> right. I mean, there is like highly yeah. indulgent <laughs> forms of wealth, but there's also, there's nothing wrong with, with a little bit of self-care, a little bit of self-enjoyment. Like what yes. are the things 
I mean, really, that's that's the whole point of life is to live it. And that's why I do focus on that, that prosperity part of it. It's like, who are we becoming as we're creating that wealth? We always have to keep in mind is like sometimes we we push against creating money because we we think we're going to become someone else. And I'll be totally honest with you. All money does is make us more of who we already are. So if you're oh, someone who's that. generous with $10, your last $10, you will be incredibly generous with $100,000. It's not going to change who you are. So that's what we need to, to focus on is we've created these stories in our head based on, you know, really maybe one or two people we have seen that maybe misusing wealth. We don't like the way that they're seeing it. And we, we might paint them all with that brush or we might think, oh, that's like going to be contagious on us. And it's not, it's not mm. that case at all is we're just going to become a, like a richer. And I mean, richer as like inside out, like mm-hmm. a richer version of ourself. That's really what money, that is the tool that, that will allow us to, to be that next level of ourself. Love that. Love that. What are a few tips that you have for business owners that are uh, maybe undercharging for their their services or their goods? Great question. So the first thing is, is I like to take my clients through what I call like an integrated pricing strategy. So if you often hear charge, charge your worth, I actually disagree with that comment because it's implying that you're worth something that you, and it's more about your services, the business that you provide, the services that you provide. And it's a very small delineation, but it's a big one because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're taking yourself out of the equation and making it very objective rather than subjective about us. Because then you're saying, well, you know, I'm new and I'm this. It's like, okay, wait a minute. What is the service that you're providing in terms of the value to your client, to your customer? Because it really is irrelevant how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's more about what you're providing. So, you know, that's a really important piece is to pay attention to ourselves and those, those little, again, sneaky thoughts that creep in to that. It's also, you know, you also want to think that, especially when you're looking at, when I talk about an integrated pricing strategy, one of the things I say, okay, well, let's look at the competition. But don't assume that the competition's money mindset is all figured out as well. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So we tend to think, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example um, is I have one of my clients uh, is owns a hair salon. And so, you know, she's mostly concerned of, well, you know, everyone else charges this amount. I can't charge that or I can't charge more than that. And I, and I had this conversation. I said, wait a minute, let's talk about a few things. So what is your experience? And, you know, she's been doing this for 20 years and she's thinking she needs to charge the exact same as, as an apprentice. Mm-hmm. And so again, like that's not putting her, that's putting her skill, the value of her skill, the experience, which is not her. And so, you know, you think about things like that. You don't just take a broad brush and say, okay, that, that's what everyone is charging. Your customer will value experience and wisdom and expertise. That all needs to be included. 
What also needs to be included when we do an integrated uh, pricing strategy is cost. Cost being, how what does it actually cost to provide what you're providing? So mm-hmm. it includes a lot of things. It includes what is the, it's called the overhead, which is what is the cost of running your business if you have zero clients? So we all have things, right? It could be rent if we have an office, electricity, it could be or the software that we use, the list goes on. The mm-hmm. things that don't matter if we have a client or not. So you have to include a piece of that. You also have to include what is the cost of actually delivering your service. So depending on what it is, like if you, let, I mean, I'll give an easy example. If you're selling a product, <laughs> you obviously have the cost of like, say you're selling cupcakes, it costs you to make a cupcake, like in all the ingredients. So you have to make sure you cost that in as well. But the third part is of that is you also have to make sure that you're paying yourself. And you're Mm. costing that in because if you were to hire somebody to do the work that you as a CEO are doing, we would have to pay them. Mm. We have to remember we think to think about that. We have to Mm -hmm. cost in some profit because profit is what we use to reinvest back in our business to, and if we're just pricing to just skirt the line, we're never going to be able to grow our business. And that's why I find a lot of business owners are saying there's never enough money. Like I can't ever seem to get ahead because we've we've priced ourselves so close to the line that we haven't given ourselves a fighting chance Mm -hmm. to get ahead. And so, you know, and I'll be honest, the answer is not always raising prices. A lot of people think that's like, okay, it's not raising prices. We have to look at all parts of the business. It could be that we're spending money on things we don't need Mm -hmm. to be spending on. There's a lot of, there's different levers to look at. But when you take this pricing strategy approach and you map it all out on paper or in a spreadsheet or wherever you, whatever you feel good on the whiteboard, you start to look at it a little differently than just saying, well, you know, I only think I'm, someone's only going to pay this. Um, one of my clients said this once and it's always resonated with me and I'll share it is she said, I'm putting myself in other people's pocketbooks. Mm. Yes. And we definitely do that. Right. So we, <laughs> yeah. we as business owners are deciding what our clients can afford, mm-hmm. what they can pay. <laughs> and that's not up to us to decide. No, it's, it's not up to us to decide because there are people that will spend, you know, if you think of a purse, there are people that will spend $5,000 on a purse. There are people that won't spend $10 on a purse and they want to go to the thrift shop to thrift shop and get a purse. Like there will always be someone who will complain about your price. So we cannot put ourselves as business owners into their pocketbook because there are people that might spend nothing on your service, but then are driving a really nice car because Mm -hmm. they've made priority decisions in their life, but that's their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you want that customer that only spends less than $10 on a purse? I mean, perhaps not, you know, I mean, you're absolutely right. right. Yeah. I've done that so many times, especially when I was doing design work. Um, Because I think, oh, this won't take me that long. I'll just do it quick. They probably can't afford much. I don't want to lose them. I want to, in fact, I just, 
Um, I, there's a new non, I, I met a person that runs an, a new nonprofit organization. Um, and I was talking to my coach about it and I said, Oh, they're marketing. They're really struggling with their marketing. I can probably just help them, but I feel like I should volunteer. And she's like, No, you're not. You're not going to volunteer, you know? <laughs> and then I still have that tendency to want to say, Oh, just let me help you. It won't be, you know, I'll feel better about, like you said, it's that nurturing part of us. I'll feel better about myself if I can help them with this. And they really need the help when I don't know what they, I don't know what their books look like. I have no idea. Maybe it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had the, like, I, as a financial coach and a form, you know, my CPA back, I've seen the books of a lot of people and you'd be surprised (laughs) what people, you know, say they can afford. And one of the things you think about too is, if you reverse the roles, when you want something bad enough and you value something bad enough, <clears throat> you say to yourself, how can I afford it? Right. As opposed to saying, you know, if you're, if you don't necessarily, you know, if you want it, but you like, it's not like the highest priority thing, you might just say, I can't afford it. And you shut that down. Mm-hmm. But people who really like, so it is our job as business owners to communicate the value that someone's going to be receiving. Absolutely. And that's where you come in. <laughs> but right. it's it's definitely about understanding that when s- the money mindset of our customers, that mm-hmm. when they really feel that what we provide to them is very important, they will have that conversation with themselves is how can I afford it? Now, I'm not by any means suggesting we over like, go crazy on a pricing or anything like that, but just to take ourselves out of their pocketbook and to mm-hmm. really focus on being firm in our own value and understanding that the pricing ourselves in a, in a way that we can afford to pay ourselves, afford to have profit in our company, to reinvest, to make that personal impact. That's the most important thing. That is why we got into business as a business yes. owner. It yes. wasn't a volunteer <laughs> hobby. <laughs> and our customers are paying for results. results. That's, that's what they want. If you can do the job, you know, I mean, if you really need something, you're going to pay what it takes to get it done. Um, you know, we just had a roof put on our house last summer and, um, you know, it was a lot more expensive than I wanted it to be, but yeah. We paid for it because we need a roof. But even beyond that, especially with, uh, like, I'm just thinking in my own field in marketing, uh, marketing drives results. So it's more of an investment than a cost. So um, you can tell I'm just doing my own work here as we talk here. It's like, (laughs) these are good reasons, you know, as, um, and and trust the, the, the process, the system that you have. They're not paying for you. They're paying for the results. So trust the process that you have and implement it and, drive it home for them and get the give them the results that they that they want and need. Yes. And and the reality yeah. is and look, we've all had experiences, so let's draw on that where we have gone with the lowest cost alternative. Yes. And then how many times have you gone and hired somebody to come, you know, do something at your house, let's say. They do it they do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you end up going to hire the person that is properly priced for the value of the work because they're experienced and all that and you get the work done right so think about that as well is like being the lowest price isn't always well one perceived by the customer as 
you're getting the best quality work. But two, if they choose to go to someone else that's less expensive, they may end up back with you anyways. Oh, totally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I've done that. Been there, done that. So yeah. um, you should tell people, I will tell people that you have this excellent download on your site, CEO Monthly Money Success Checklist, which um, it, it so this is something that we should print off every month, right? And kind of um, go through or week one, yes. week two. So it's a kind yes. of a breakdown. Tell us more about this. It is. Yeah, I'd love to. So one of the things that I see with business owners, when we get into business, we're good at something. That's why we get into business. We all have an experience and we're good. But then all of a sudden there's this money and business part that is has to come alongside. And we're like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know anything about this. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, when I'm supposed to be doing it, how I'm supposed to be doing. And so what I did was, is I wanted to give, you know, some, our women business owners, a resource as a place to start to say, okay, I just need to be know, to know what I need to be doing when each week of the month. And so what this checklist does is it breaks it down because often the one thing I find that scares people the most about finances and money especially as it comes to business, but in general, is it just feels like there's just so much to do and we don't know what to do first. We don't know what to do when. And so this mm -hmm. breaks it down now. And, and what's great about the checklist is it, it doesn't matter whether you have a bookkeeper or not. That part is irrelevant. What it does, what it focuses on is the work that we need to be doing as business owners, as CEOs, which is what we are doesn't matter if you're a business of one, by the way, we're still CEOs, mm -hmm. that if we're that business, what we need to be doing, because a lot of times we think that if we have a bookkeeper, we just ship it off to someone and we get all that money work done for us. Mm -hmm. And then we never have to look at it. And so the purpose of the checklist is to say, no, no, we have a responsibility as a CEO to know what the heck's going on in our business. Yes. Even if someone is doing the the actual I'll call it maybe the grunt work if you want to look at it, the processing of something we are still responsible for making the decisions because the reality is when we look at the the information that comes back when we use data and metrics and it's not all money data but like in marketing and as you know there's lots of mm -hmm. data in there we st we develop a process around it it like opens up a whole new world for us and we can start taking, that's how you take your business to the next level. But if you're never paying attention and you're only just looking at your bank account as a way to make decisions in your business, we're going to be really challenged to start getting ahead. Mm -hmm. And then what's going to happen is we're going to get very behind in the books. <laughs> and I mean, I just had, I, I just started um, offering bookkeeping in my firm because I wanted to help women get back to where they want and set them up. And so a client just came to me and she hasn't done her book since 2021. Okay. And it's, it's, it's a challenge because she's struggling because she doesn't, she hasn't gotten ahead in her business because she mm -hmm. hasn't caught up and she's gotten so far behind, but now it's just such a daunting task that She's like, I, I can't even, I can't even look at it. So this, this checklist, the purpose of this is once you get caught up, then you can, you'll know what to do each month so that you don't get behind again. 
Oh, that's... So just have these simple, simple systems and routines. And I've put some time estimates beside them because I want people to realize that it doesn't have to take 10 hours a week to do it. Once you get going, it's very quick. And I modeled it after how long it takes me. It really doesn't take a long time. So a lot of these things, like I said, 15 minutes, it might take five. Mm-hmm. But if you just do it and you stay on top of it, it's it's very, very easy. It's like kind of like housework. <laughs> if you just right. stay on top of things, we don't get behind <laughs> and then it doesn't get daunting. Um, so that's that was the purpose of the checklist. Oh, yeah, I think it's super helpful. And and I'll put the link to this in my show notes. But um, yeah, you just list all the things um, for each week. And it's really, you know, just a really uh, easily digested list, I would say. And I love that you put on here, like, um, review bookkeepers files, because you're right, if somebody else is, is um, doing it for you, you still have to know what those those numbers are and make sure that you know, everything is correct and, and you know, your KPIs and, and I tell my marketing clients this all the time, your numbers tell a story. And that certainly is true with your finances too. Although I'm such a hypocrite because I am the person that just hates going into my financial software. And and I keep thinking, cause I have, I think I have zero is the uh, software I use, but if you have that or, or Google, or not Google, um, QuickBooks. QuickBooks, yes. Um, you know, it can download all your your um, your transactions for you. So it's all yes. there. And it makes me lazy because I think, oh, it's just, it's all going in there. I'll just, you know, when I get a couple of minutes, I'll go through and check through everything. Yes. But but the reality is that you need to do that uh, on the right, at a regular basis and just stick it well, on the calendar and say, okay, this week on Monday, every morning, Monday morning or every Tuesday morning or whatever, go ahead and take a look at it. And and I, along with that, I'll tell you a little tip. So one of the things that we do is if we get a software system for doing our own books, or even if we have a bookkeeper doing it, the 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 way they organize things in these bookkeeping systems are standardized. It doesn't mean that they have to remain that way. So mm. we have the ability to create categories for things that are meaningful. And that's one of the things that I help with my clients is to to, to massage the way their books are. So everything's still accurate and good for tax and all of that, but it's really so that it's useful for them as a business owner. So they're able to look at certain things to make their decisions because everyone's business is a little different. Mm-hmm. But there might be certain things about your business that that helps to um, drive decisions. And so if we can put that that bookkeeping information in such a package that it drives good information, then you're more willing to look at it. you're more you're not just going to file it away. I mean, for my clients, i I actually give them a dashboard where I pull out, okay, these are all the things that you need to know. And then I give them a little blurb and say, okay, just notice these couple of things or maybe think about these couple of things because that's what pokes us into pushing ourselves into something different. And because sometimes there's signals that we don't see. But when we are when we can look at that information that's set up meaningfully, it's so clear. Like you said, the story becomes very easy to read 
So, but we, we have the agency and the authority to reshuffle the way our bookkeeping is done so that mm-hmm. it does tell that story. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that because they think they're going to mess something up for taxes and, and things like that. And you know what? It's not nine times out of 10. It's not, or we can fix it quite easily that, but I think it's important for, for the audience to understand that, that there's no perfectly standard way. It just has, you can create as many accounts as you want to make it meaningful. Hmm. That's good to know. That really is. And that, and that makes it less intimidating too. If you just need to just pop in to look at the numbers versus, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I was just like, I, I somewhere along the line developed a fear of math, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. and yeah. it's just not my thing. And, and it, but this isn't like advanced calculus. This is just a spreadsheet, you know? So, but somewhere along the line, you know, if I have two things to do, I'm always going to choose the thing that's not numbers related first. And I think that's all of us. We always want to put off the thing that we don't enjoy, right? So right. um, so that's really good to know. I mean, I think if you get to know your bookkeeping system well enough or or have somebody come in and like got my account and set my account up mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, so I was able to, uh, to kind of go in and see things easily. But on, on the flip side, I don't really know the bookkeeping system all that well because she set it up for me. So mm-hmm. there is there is something to be said for just kind of jumping right in and getting to know it and um, clicking around in it and trying to, you know, figure it out. So play around with it because the reality yeah. is a, if you have a bookkeeper, they don't know your business all that yeah. well. Oh, They're they just don't. dealing with the data and putting it and like, putting it in certain places, but they don't know how your brain works. Yeah. And so that's why it's our responsibility as CEOs to have conversations with our bookkeeper or even just to do it ourselves if we're doing our own bookkeeping, but to really think is how do I make this data meaningful? Just like with marketing data, there is so much out there, especially when you get into ads and all these CTR. I mean, that none of it's not meaningful unless we know what we're benchmarking it against. We're looking at trends. We're understanding like how it all fits into the big picture. That's when it becomes meaningful. And it's exactly the same with the financial data. If if you just look at a number in and of itself, it means absolutely nothing. But when you start to compare it to, well, how did it, what, what were we doing last month? What was, what was my plan for this? Mm-hmm. How is it, how is this relating to this other thing? Because usually there's something relating to something else. It creates that story, which we're then able to decide, do we like the story that it's telling or do we want to recraft the story? Mm, love that. Linda, I could talk for you, talk to you for hours about this because there's so much here to unpack. But um, I, how can people find out more about you and your business? Yeah, well, my uh, I spend a lot of time on Instagram, and my account is Peak Prosperity. Uh, Peak is P I Q U E. And you can also find me, my website is peakprosperity.com. I'm also on Facebook. So that's probably one of the best ways uh, to get in touch with me. That's great. Linda, I just really um, appreciate the time that you've spent here today. And um, I just really want to thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, I love having these conversations and thank you for, for allowing me to be on your stage to have it. 
I seriously could have talked to Linda for hours about this topic. I find it so interesting, but you can do one better. Go to her website at peakprosperity.com, that's P-I-Q-U-E prosperity.com, and look for her checklist. I'll put the link in my show notes at myweeklymarketing.com forward slash 27. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be thrilled if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. These podcasts take a lot of time to put together, so if you find it helpful, I would love to know that. I appreciate you. See you next time. Bye for now. 